Well, today we're going to continue our series that we've been walking through the last couple of weeks called Run the Race. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of spent some time talking about the great promises that God has for us of what He has said that He will do. And isn't it encouraging to know that as we run this race, we don't run it alone? Aren't you encouraged today to know that no matter what tomorrow look, might look like, that God is already not only by our side, but He actually already is in tomorrow? That He already knows exactly what's happening, He knows where we're going, He knows what we're going to face, and He already has a plan that will deliver us. Now listen, there's not a person in this room, there's not a person watching this service today that can say, I know what tomorrow holds for me, and I know how I'm going to make it through. And if you think that, if you believe that, I just want to tell you right up front, right now, you're wrong. None of us knows what tomorrow holds, and none of us knows how we're going to make it through. But man, isn't it cool to know that God does, that God knows, that God cares, that God leads, that God guides, that God is already has given us the victory. And so that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks we've been talking about, the promises, the hope that we have in Christ. But today what I want to do is begin to kind of shift a little bit, if I could, for today and for next week, and talk about what our responsibility is. Now we've already talked about God's responsibility, we've already talked about the faithfulness of God, the promise of God, that He will show up and do exactly what He said that He would do. The problem is, is oftentimes the same can't be said of us. Oftentimes, the reason we face so many trials in our lives, the reason we face so many trials in our country and our world today is because people like you and me are not living up to our end of the bargain. We're not living out our faith the way that God has called us to live it out. So today, what I want to do is I want to dig into a passage of Scripture, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, but that very clearly calls us to action. It calls us, <clears throat> excuse me, to do exactly what it is that God has called us to do. Now, this passage is just what we refer to as the Beatitudes. Now, we've all heard of the Beatitudes, and oftentimes when we hear that statement, the Beatitudes, we're naturally drawn to Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, but that's not the only place in the Bible where Beatitudes are found. In fact, Beatitudes are found throughout God's Word. You go back into the book of Psalms, it starts, in fact, with Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Right there, you know what that is? That is a beatitude. Because a beatitude is nothing more than a blessing. The beatitude is nothing more than a statement is blessed is, or happy is, or, or you're going to be okay if you will follow this. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible said this, said this this way, is that the word blessed or beatitude, blessed, is translated from both Hebrew and Greek words to refine, uh, refer to divine favor conveyed to man. Now let me just ask you a quick question as we begin and walk through this, this passage today. <clears throat> How many of you today would like for divine favor to be conveyed in your life? Just raise your hand, be honest. Okay, now listen, if you didn't raise your hand, wake up. I know it's early. Somebody walk over and slap them upside the face. Do it social distance, but slap them upside the face. I mean, obviously we all want to, in our lives, we want to experience divine favor. Because you know what divine favor is, right? That's something that we do not deserve, given to us by a God who loves us so very much. It's grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's what we do not deserve because of what we have done, but God says, oh, I will give it 
anyway. And so that's the statement. That's what a beatitude is. Blessed is, that's the statement that God gives to us. And here's the problem. When we talk about being blessed, oftentimes we talk about finding happiness in life. And in today's culture, we know that happiness today is naturally kind of surrounding in our own view, in our own vantage point. Uh, Basically, it's all based on our circumstances. That our happiness is based on how things are going. Our happiness is based on how much money's in the bank. Our happiness is based on how our job's going, how our relationships are going, uh, how our friendships are going. Uh, That happiness comes from those types of things. But God's Word is clear, happiness does not flow from those things, because the one thing that is absolutely sure uh, that we know is that our circumstances are going to change every single day. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've had just the best, greatest day ever, and then the next day stinks? Have you ever had that? I'll be honest with you, I've had lots of days like that, where things just go awesome. Yesterday, I had a great day. I had my entire family over at the house all day long. Man, we just sat around talking for hours. We, we sat on the back deck and we had a meal together, uh, actually two meals together. I mean, we just had an amazing day. I am worried about what today is going to look like. I'm afraid today, later today, I'm afraid it's going to stink because yesterday was so awesome. And see, that's the problem is when we base our happiness on what happens, what's going on in our lives, we are always left disappointed. But you see, joy, blessedness, that divine favor that comes from God has absolutely nothing to do with our circumstances. It has everything to do with the presence of God. And so today, that's what I want to walk through this passage uh, in Matthew chapter 5 as Jesus was beginning this process. It tells us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 that he went up on a mountainside, he sat down and he began to teach the, the crowds that gathered there. And he started with these statements, these blessed statements, these beatitude statements that helps us to, again, recognize that if we're going to see God's favor, if we're going to experience God's divine presence and divine favor in our lives, uh, it's going to take some work on our part. It's going to take us living up to our responsibility, living up to what it is that God has called us to do. And so I want to walk through these passages. Now listen, there's, there's eight of them, technically nine, uh, and we're going to hit them today and next Sunday. I'm not going to be able to get them all today. We're going to do probably four or so today, and then next week we'll, we'll pick up the rest. Um, but I just want to walk through these statements so that we can kind of apply them, because oftentimes when you read them, they're a little confusing. Uh, and you'll see what I mean in a moment if you haven't read them in a while. They're, they're, they leave you kind of like, oh, I wonder what that means. And so what I hope to do today is to spend a little time uh, with these passages to help you understand when you walk out of here exactly what it means. You'll know exactly what it means. That you'll like feel pretty comfortable in what Jesus said. Because remember now, these are Jesus' words. And do you agree with me that if Jesus actually took the time to speak words that we probably ought to know what they mean, Right? That we probably ought to kind of dig in and try to figure it out so that we can make sure that we're following his words. And so let's start with the first passage, Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. And we read this statement here. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this is not talking about a financial poverty. When oftentimes we see that word poor, we we naturally kind of are drawn to the idea that we're talking about a lack of money, a lack of stuff. 
But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about financial poverty here. He's talking about spiritual poverty. And you think, well, wait a minute. Now, we don't want to be impoverished spiritually. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Why? Because when Jesus was making this statement, this poverty, this spiritual poverty, the poverty that he's talking about flows from an understanding that we can never find righteousness on our own due to our own sinful nature. That, that poverty that Jesus is referring to here is really nothing more than a recognition that we cannot do it on our own, that we can't find goodness that we can't find righteousness, that we can't find holiness in our own power. Because if we could actually figure out how to be righteous without God, then that would not be righteous at all. That would be some, you know, personal kind of statement of trying to make ourselves feel better or maybe fitting into some mold that, that, that society creates as what righteousness looks like. And then make no mistake, society has a picture of what righteousness looks like, doesn't it? Uh, society has come up with lots of different lists of rules of, of things that we've got to do, that we've got to follow, that we've got to say or not say so that we can be righteous. The problem is, is they're, 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 they're depending, determining righteousness based on, on what is cool for the day. Like what's accepted now? Well, what's appropriate in the moment? And the problem is this, is if we're only worried about what's appropriate in the moment, man, we will never figure out how to live. Because guess what? In case you haven't noticed, like, according to the society, according to the culture, according to the world, righteousness, what that really looks like, it changes every single day, doesn't it? What was righteous yesterday, today is not accepted. What is right today, tomorrow, it will not be right at all. And if we have this idea that we've got to make sure that we are staying on top of things, that we're staying on top of this woke culture of trying to make sure that we're, you know, exactly where we need to be so that we can be accepted by everybody, man, we will drive ourselves crazy. And so what's the better plan? The better plan is recognizing you'll never figure it out on your own that we desperately need Christ to tell us what righteousness looks like. So it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Stuart Weber said it this way, the beginning of repentance is the recognition of one's spiritual bankruptcy, one's inability to become righteous on one's own. Man, that's a great way of saying it. In other words, we cannot become righteous on our own. So how can we become righteous? It's not by following what Twitter's saying. It's not by following what Facebook is saying. It's not by following what the news media is saying. It's not by following what the politicians are saying. Here's where we find righteousness. Trusting in, believing in, hearing from, and walking in God's holy word. So Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are bankrupt spiritually, who know that they've got to have the presence and the power of God if we're going to figure it out. The Christian Standard Bible and the notes, if you've studied that, that great uh, translation, it says this in the Old Testament. And I want you to hear this because, man, this is just a picture of what I want for my life. And I pray that it's what you want for your life. It says in the Old Testament, the poor, the poor were those who cried out for God's help. I want to be that. Who depended entirely on him for their needs. Man, I need to do that. Had a humble and a contrite spirit. I, I want to exhibit that experienced his deliverance, man, we want that, don't we? And enjoyed his undeserved favor. So in the Old Testament, the picture of the poor, the, the ones that were impoverished spiritually, are the ones who recognized they couldn't do it on their own. 
that they depended on God completely, that they were humble in the way that they acted, they experienced his deliverance, and they basked in the presence and the favor of God every single day. Let me ask you, is that what you want? Is that what you're looking for in your life? Because if you're not, I've got to be honest with you, you're probably not sitting in the right place this morning. If you're not looking for that kind of a life, then, then honestly, why are you even here? Because listen, I think we've all can, we all can say, we've tried to do it on our own, haven't we? I mean, we've tried to figure this thing out on our own. I'm your pastor, and I've tried to figure it out on my own. And I have failed miserably so many times. But you see, when we depend on God, what Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 5 in those very first words of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are spiritually impoverished, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, what a beautiful promise. The second one here, he goes on to say in verse uh, 4, in verse 4 it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, when we hear that word mourn, we begin to kind of in our minds kind of put forth a statement of what that looks like. We begin to think, well, maybe that's talking about those who are sad. It's not. Maybe it's those who are going through a loss of a loved one. It's not talking about that. You see, this statement too has nothing to do with being upset over a life occurrence. It really is nothing more than mourning our own spiritual emptiness. So the first statement is recognizing our spiritual poverty, right? Our our spiritual uh, uh, emptiness that we talked about a moment ago. And here, the second part is literally being broken over it. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we see all the stuff that's going on in the world today. The answer to the stuff that is going on in the world today is honest spiritual brokenness. That's what's going to fix it. No marches, even though voices need to be heard, are, they're not going to fix it. The statements that come from politicians, it's not going to fix it. Twitter posts, not going to fix it. It's a spiritual brokenness that is going to fix every challenge and every problem that we face today. And so Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because when we come to that place of mourning, that's where healing grows and grace begins. It's where we begin to see God bringing the healing, the restoration that we need when we truly are broken over the fact that we have nothing outside of God's presence and God's promise. That we can't make it without God being there in our lives, showing up and doing what only He can do. And so that brokenness, that emptiness, that mourning, Jesus said, blessed are those who do that because they will be comforted. I need to be comforted. My heart has been broken over these last couple of weeks in seeing what's happening in our culture. My heart is broken every day when I drive up and down the streets of Lynchburg and I see people who you can sense an emptiness and a, a loss. Uh, you can sense a feeling of, uh, of just of wondering in their spiritual walk. It breaks my heart. When I look into a culture and look into a world that is doing everything that it possibly can to try to find happiness in whatever way they can, and whether it's through drugs or alcohol or, or through sexual promiscuity or through a posting on Twitter or Facebook or through selfies and trying to make themselves look better and be accepted by the way that they look, they're, all they're doing is they're looking for something that can bring them joy. And it breaks my heart that the world doesn't know that comfort doesn't come from what people think of you. Comfort comes from God. 
Blessed are those who, who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's what we need to be doing in our nation today, mourning the spiritual emptiness and the brokenness and getting ourselves into a position and a place where we recognize that pain. The third statement, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this is kind of a reference Jesus is using here, going back to Isaiah chapter 61, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but it's the picture, blessed are the meek. Now, again, oftentimes the word meek kind of brings about this idea of weakness. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, meekness is the exact opposite of weakness. Now, when you look into the dictionary of what meek means, it uses the word gentle and kind. But oftentimes what people look at meekness is is somebody who is is weak and not able to stand up for themselves. But yet Jesus here making the statement, blessed are the meek, what he's really saying is that being meek reflects self-control and kindness and gentleness. It also means that being meek is an image of power which is not overbearing or unkind. Let me ask you a question. Don't you wish everybody in our culture today lived that way? Meekness? gentleness, kindness, humility, and that would be such an, an image of power, but yet not power that is displayed through being unkind or, or someone who is, who is overbearing. You see, the most powerful people in the world are not those who lash out with their power and position, but rather the most powerful people in the world who are those who show restraint in their leadership, who know how to lead without anger, who know how to lead without fighting, who know how to lead without coming out and, and beating people over the head. The most powerful people in the world are people who lead in meekness. And Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Our culture today needs a lot of meekness, doesn't it? It needs a lot of people who will understand what it means to be gentle and it needs to be kind, who recognize what it means to to be that kind of person. We need that now so badly. And listen, I'm not speaking to any specific group at all. Here's what I'm speaking to and who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to all of us, Republican, Democrat, white, black, Every color, every race, every creed, every ethnicity, every, you know, uh, heritage, everybody I'm talking about. What we need is gentleness and kindness and meekness, and that's what's going to bring change. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, those who are gentle and kind, for the earth will be theirs. Man, that's where I want to live. I hope that's where you want to live too. The next statement. We'll get to this briefly. We'll probably hit on it again next week. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, Jesus used two words here that uh, talk about and reflect the emptiness that he's speaking about. He used the word hunger and thirst. Now, hunger and thirst, we all get, right? We're all hungry at times. We're all thirsty at times. You know, we all want food at some times. We all want refreshment and drink sometimes, right? We, we get that, right? Have you you ever been really, really hungry, like where your stomach is growling? It's embarrassing because you're so hungry, right? We all have been there. We've all been in that place. And so Jesus is using that natural human condition, that natural human understanding to say, this is where you need to be. You need to hunger and thirst, but for what? For righteousness. And righteousness is not something that can be found anywhere but in the presence of God. Righteousness is not something that we can figure out on our own. Righteousness comes 
from understanding who Jesus is and what he's done and what he will continue to do. Jesus made the statement, blessed is, that beatitude, happy is. And blessedness comes from a personal relationship with the only one who can give it, and that's Jesus. And so today, right now, if you're watching, if you're sitting here and you don't have that relationship, everything I'm talking about that sounds really good is not available to you until you get to the place where you can say, Jesus is Lord. And so right now, I'm going to pray just a simple, brief prayer. It's a prayer that many of you in this room have heard me pray a million times. Get used to it, because you're going to hear me pray it a million more. Because the only answer that we have in today's world is Jesus. The only hope that we have is salvation. The only future that we can get is through Jesus Christ alone. So as I pray this prayer, if you don't have a relationship with him, I just encourage you to pray this prayer along with me right now. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I don't know where to turn, but I believe that Jesus is your son, sent to take away the sins of the world. So today, Father, I ask you, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died and that he rose again, and I believe he's the only one that can save me right now. So today, Father, save me through your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for doing so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to email me at pastor at trbc.org. If you're here in this room and you prayed that prayer, our pastors are gathering right over here on the side. And after this service, I encourage you to come down and to talk with them. Let them encourage you and pray with you. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles we will give you. If you have at home and you don't have a Bible and you want one, we will send it to you free of charge. Just let me know because we know the hope for the world is not found in the culture. The hope for the world is found in Jesus. Every breath we could ever 
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.